Gently call me me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling, set me apart. I know that you're drawing me to yourself. Lead me, Lord, I pray, I pray. Take me, guide me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hand. Call me. Well, amen. That's a great song, huh? Well, we uh, have finished our uh, campaign, and uh, boy, I tell you what, it uh, it went quickly. I mean, it just feels like it just started, and yet here we are at the end of it already, and it all kind of concluded this morning in the services, and uh, we're grateful to the Lord for all the uh, wonderful results that we've seen. I. I, I wasn't even aware of all the souls that had been saved. I'd heard it kept a running total, but obviously this last week or so, we really saw some uh, good uh, progress in that area even. And boy, the Lord just blessed us in an immense way. And uh, it's just awesome. We've seen uh, a number of people uh, just uh, making their way out 
on the doors with folks praying and begging the Lord to do something great, and uh, boy, we're excited. You had that youth rally this past Friday night, and boy, the youth rally went off without a hitch. It was great. Turned out wonderfully, without the, with the exception of the rain and having to move it all indoors. I mean, honestly, if you uh, weren't aware that uh, the, uh, the plan was to be outside, you probably didn't realize that there was any other plan. It just went extremely well, and we're, we're grateful for that. Uh, again, we, we saw a soul saved there. We uh, saw just uh, the Lord using that to be a blessing and a help to uh, youngsters as well as, uh, I would imagine, down the road, uh, their groups, their youth groups as well. So again, just a lot of good things taking place over the last few weeks, and uh, been happy about that and excited about it. And uh, I know that uh, with a campaign like that comes a little weariness, obviously, and uh, we appreciate the work, the effort that everyone put into it. And, uh, of course, uh, team number one, you know, they won. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice because I'm supposed to be impartial. I'm the preacher. But I was on number one. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Some people thought, well, you know, it wasn't fair because I was on it. But, honestly, I, I didn't do all the visitation. I did pretty much what any of you did that came every time the, the doors were open, but we had folks on our team that were like tearing it up. I mean, they were going buck wild. And uh, boy, it's exciting, you know. And there were a number of on the other teams that were doing the same thing. They were going out during the day. They were going out during the week. And I know they were uh, excited about trying to gain points for their team, but they were also looking for souls. And uh, we saw people coming to Christ from... I had just a number of people. I think there was over 10 or 12, 12 different people who uh, were winning people to Christ on a, you know, throughout the campaign, and that's exciting too. It wasn't just a couple people doing, you know, doing that. It was the Lord using a number of people. There were teams of people, folks that maybe hadn't had an opportunity to be with someone that uh, when someone got saved, and boy, they got to see it firsthand, and that inspires people, and be, before it's over with, they'll be winning people to Christ, and it's just exciting. So anyway, tonight we have our communion, and I don't want to belabor the message tonight. I want to get right to things because I want to leave time for that. And of course, uh, there's that party afterwards uh, for the winning team. But anyway, we, we want to make sure we leave time for that. But anyhow, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Some of you just, I don't know, I think you're still sleeping from this hard work we did over the last three weeks. Man, I tell you, let's be honest, uh, Tuesday and Thursday this past week, we could tell people were coming in, they were a little dragging, you know, we were kind of all like, hey, how's it going? You know, it, it, you know, now there was a couple that were pretty fired up, and I like that stuff, that's good, but, but uh, a lot of folks were dragging by the end of this week, it was, it was getting ugly, but, but it turned out good. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Just a little encouragement tonight. I just want to mention a, a little thought tonight. And uh, we'll see where this goes. Ecclesiastes 9, 10. The Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Now, if this was a Sunday school class, I would, I would say, all right, well, what does that, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do? Give me some examples of what your hand can find to do, okay? We'd talk a little bit about that maybe. What's it mean to do it with all your might, you know, with, with thy might? Okay, then we might break that down and say, okay, for there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. What does that mean? You know, what does that really mean? 
And, you know, we would take the time to break that down, get some feedback, give everybody an opportunity maybe to kind of uh, express a few things, and we'd uh, nail it down, make sure that we're right on target with the Scriptures. But the bottom line is, is that he's telling us here that whatever we're doing in this life, basically, we, we, we need to do it with all of our mind. Why? Because there's coming a day you won't have an opportunity to do that. You'll be dead. I mean, that's just what he's saying. I mean, you're, the, once you close your eyes in death, that's it. The, the opportunity to work is done at that point. Now we're going to find ourselves in a place where we're going to be judged, all right? So you have an opportunity in this life to accomplish something on behalf of the Lord. Do it with your might. Make sure that whatever you're doing is worth fighting. Like, for instance, Paul said, I fought a good fight. Uh, I finished my course. I kept the faith. He's saying, listen, do whatever you do with all your might. And, you know, that's true in every area of life, but especially we ought to be very, very keenly aware that the spiritual life demands this kind of effort. It has to. So, if you're a friend, be the best friend you can possibly be, right? If you're a brother or sister, be the best sibling you can possibly be. If you're an employee, then be the best employee you can be. If you're a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, then be the very best Christian you can possibly be. If you're, you're a servant in the bus ministry, the Sunday school, or any ministry at all of any kind, then be the best servant you can possibly be. Now, the bottom line is, is tonight is that when I come to you and I begin to share in this area, this arena, my real concern is this, is that mediocrity is the goal for most people today. And we had a theme not long ago uh, that addressed this at, 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 you know, in detail. But it's something I think we need reminded all the time because I think mediocrity tends to be the, 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 the bullseye that we're trying to hit all too often. I don't necessarily have to be the best, but I just don't want to be the worst. I just want to be mediocre. I want to be down the line. I just want to be somewhere in the middle. You know, I don't necessarily need the A+, plus. just give me a B, I'll be all right with that, or something. I just want to pass. But this uh, mentality seems to be more prevalent to me in Christian circles toward our Christianity than any area, it seems to me. I mean, I can find people that are in secular business that are really putting forth a good effort. I mean, they want to be the best because in the end, like, let's face it, it produces a, a, a bottom line uh, gain. You know, you're going to get some kind of income out of it. If you're the best salesman, you make more money. If you're the best engineer, you eventually get a better job. You, it's just the best get paid the most. And so most people are motivated by money. But Christianity isn't quite like that, is it? be the best Christian, people don't just go, you get $250, unless you're a community Baptist, <laughs> and you win the spin, <laughs> right? But honestly, you don't get reimbursed that way. It doesn't work quite like that. You don't always have somebody patting you on the back saying, great job, you're the best. Doesn't work that way, does it? So I'm concerned that mediocrity is the goal for most today, especially in their Christian lives. You may not settle for mediocrity in any other area of your life except your Christian life. Wouldn't that be sad? To think you're giving it your best as a mother, you're giving it your best as a wife, you're giving it your best as an employee or whatever it might be, but when it comes to your Christianity, mediocrity is 
That's a good bullseye. I'll shoot for it. I'm content with that. Andrew Carnegie, he made this statement. He said, people who are unable to motivate themselves must be content with mediocrity, no matter how impressive their other talents. Now, he wasn't necessarily speaking as a Christian. He's a, a businessman. He was a man who made a lot of money. Andrew Carnegie was a man who, you know, he, he was all about relationships and all kind of good stuff. But man, this guy, he knew how to get it done. People who are unable to motivate themselves must be content with mediocrity. Do, can you motivate yourself to get out of bed? Can you motivate yourself to read your Bible and pray? Can you motivate yourself to get out there and knock those doors? Can you motivate yourself to be the best Christian you can possibly be? Because if you can't, then you are mediocre at best, is what he said. No matter how impressive your other talents are, he says. I don't know. You say, well, he's, he don't know what he's talking about. He's a loser. I don't know, but I'm just saying he made a pretty good run at it in this life as far as uh, in, in the business world and so forth. I got to believe he knows something about character, something about people, something about business. And man, I'm going to tell you what, I don't know, but he seems to be a little bit probably more on target than we'd like to admit. A fellow by the name of Steve Maraboli, he said this, he said, today is a new day. Don't let your history interfere with your destiny. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good right there. Amen. Don't let your history interfere with your destiny. Let today, he goes on to say, be the day you stop being a victim of your circumstances and start taking action toward your life, toward the, toward the life you want. You have the power and the time to shape your life. Break free from the poisonous victim mentality and embrace the truth of your greatness. And by the way, I, 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 I hear that and it gets something just inside goes, your greatness. But hold on. You know what? We can be great in what we do. John the Baptist was the greatest. Jesus used the word. Wait a second. You can be great at being a Christian too. So nonetheless, the, he says, embrace the truth of your greatness. You were not meant for a mundane or mediocre life. And that is true. There is not one person in this room that names the name of Christ that is, has been like um, meant for a mundane or mediocre life. That's not what God intends for us. None of us. The Bible says we're more than conquerors through him. He wants us to be victorious. Rising above the challenges. Reaching the finish line. And doing it well. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I'm just not a motivated person. Well, that'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you just keep saying it long enough. I'm not a motivated person. You'll believe it, you'll start to live it. You've already probably convinced yourself that's the case. Well, I struggle to get out of bed because I'm just not, I don't motivate well. Mornings aren't my time. I'm not a morning person. You will never be a morning person when you keep telling yourself, I'm not a morning person. It'll never happen. <clears throat> It'll just never happen. You say, but I'm not. Well, you can change that if you really wanted to. You say, no, you can't. I was made that way. Well, we're all made the same way. 
we ultimately become really what we want to be. We settle too often for mediocrity. And as Christians, we can't afford to do that. There's too many people depending on us. Can you imagine? I mean, it's bad enough that to, be a, to be a mediocre parent. That's bad enough. But to be a mediocre Christian parent, that's even worse. You say, why? Because you are also representing the God of heaven. Not only are you going to wreck potentially and, and cause your children not to have motivation themselves and not to be moving forward in their lives, but you're also going to teach them that serving God and living for Jesus Christ is not really that important. And what we say often is what the, children, what the parents do in excess, or in moderation, the, parents do, the children do in excess. The fact is, is that your children are going to be a lot less motivated toward God than you were. Every generation gets a little weaker, it seems. Boy, it's important. Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You believe that? You say, oh, I believe it. Until you actually, it has to come to a change of lifestyle. Until we have to do something we're not comfortable doing. Mediocrity is going to kill us. It'll destroy the Christian faith. The fact is today is that there's too many Christians that are mediocre and we're content to be mediocre. We're content to be mediocre in our, our study and our preparation. We're content to be mediocre in our outreach and our witness. We're content to be mediocre in so many ways. That's destructive. It's sad to watch as Christians that are children of the Almighty, it's sad to watch them dawdle and dabble about with any real purpose or urgency in their life. No sense of urgency. That's sad. When we're content with the plague of mediocrity, it affects us in a number of ways. Let me just run through a couple little thoughts. It affects our goals. Our goals are most often rooted in selfishness when we are content with mediocrity. We do what we do just because that's what's best for us. Our goodness is mere necessity because we wish to be accepted. We're not doing it to be the best Christian and to please God like we ought to. We're good enough. We, we are our goodness is a mere necessity because we want others to accept us. That's, that's, that is a, a result of a pursuit of mediocrity. A, a play, a part of that, when we're content with mediocrity, our faith is shallow. Our focus is blurred. Our direction is unclear. Our purpose is misguided, and our soul is malnourished when we're content with the plague of mediocrity. You know, a lot of times young people get a bad rap, right? Because they're like, why don't you want to work hard? Work hard at your studies. Give it your best. Well, what about us adults? Does that only work when you're in school between the grades of kindergarten and 12? Or when you're at college trying to get a degree so you can make a lot of money? 
is the Christian life isn't about that. The fact is, is that we ought to be given our very best. Listen, our children are not impressed with what we tell them to do. They're impressed with what we do. Paul made it very clear that our efforts are to be directed toward God. Everything we do should be directed to God. In 2 Timothy 2.15, you know the passage, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to shew thyself approved unto God. That's the goal, right? That's what we should be our greatest desire, is to be approved of by God. You know, it's interesting because if mediocrity is our goal, there'll be some people that we can still impress with our mediocrity. I mean, some of you are very talented probably in certain areas. You know, there are some young people that can get up and play on that piano without any real effort. They have a natural ability to play the piano and they never ever become what God intended them to be because they're too lazy and they're content with mediocrity. Because it's just enough to hear, oh, what a great job you did. That's wonderful. Well, that was great. You're really talented. That's good. And they're like, yeah, that's good. I don't have to work at it either. This is a blessing. But they should be seeking to approve, be approved of by God. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We ought to acknowledge God in every aspect of our life recognizing his investment in our life, realizing what our, our response to him ought to be. Again, the one we should most seek approval from is the Lord. Don't worry, there's only eight more pages of this. No, there isn't really. So here's the main thought that I want to convey to you. I believe this is really what I want to say to you. It's not enough to play the game. You have to give it your best. That's what really the whole thing is tonight. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not enough to play the game. You have to give it your best. Father, bless us now in these next couple of minutes. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for what you'll do. In Christ's name, amen. I remember playing football, and I played football a lot of years in my days, and I would get so upset, so frustrated with those who would play but not give it their best. I mean, they, they took their place on the field. They, they looked like they knew what they were doing. I mean, they were in their stance properly, and, and uh, they, they knew their job assignments but they wouldn't give it their very best. In practice, they would slack off. In the games, they would give up sometimes. It just seemed like they weren't giving it their best. We get down by two or three touchdowns, and pretty soon they're discouraged, and they're trying to moping around the field, and I'm like, what are you doing? Doesn't matter whether we're down two or three touchdowns, we keep playing to the end. Because you give it your best. In some cases, they were just content just to play the game. They didn't really want to win even. 
That's good enough. We're just playing. It's just a game. I was never satisfied with just simply playing. I wanted to be the best I could be. Now, I understood that we might not as a team win every game, but honestly, when it was all said and done, my real goal was that I played my best. If I play my best and everybody on the team plays their best, we're going to probably get a better result than not. So I'm just going to do my best. There's one thing. I could walk into a locker room after a game, and I never hung my head because I knew I gave it my all. I don't care if the score was 60 to nothing or if it was 6 to 5. It, well, 6 to 5, yeah, that's pretty tough. A safety and a field goal. But it didn't matter to me because I knew what I did. I knew I gave my best. Every single tackle, every block I tried or tried to make, I did it with all my, with my best. If I was considered mediocre as a football player, it wouldn't be because I gave a mediocre effort. God's equipped each of us with a distinct and different set of gifts and abilities. There's none of us that are really any two that are alike. We're very unique, very different in one sense, and yet we're much alike in so many others. The truth is that all of us are mediocre or possibly even bad at some things. But see, the passage, Ecclesiastes 9, isn't addressing the outcome. It's addressing the effort. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. It's not addressing the outcome. It's addressing the effort. We are to give our best at everything we do. See, the Lord isn't as concerned about how well we do as how hard we try to do it. And that's what makes it so wonderful. Is that He's not always expecting you to be the best at it, he just wants you to give your best at it. And when you arrive on heaven's shore, you'll not be judged based on how much you have accomplished. It'll be how much you have given to accomplish. I uh, taught at Bible college years and years ago, and, and I've taught, obviously, at the schools that we've had here, and we still have young people going through now, but... I, uh, I remember um, I was teaching at a, a Bible college and uh, there was a number of students that I had at the time and, and, and they were seniors. It was their final year and I had a, a good class of them and, and uh, they had a variety of abilities. There was no doubt about that. Anytime you teach students, there's some that have, are very intelligent and capable and qualified and, and, and studious in that regard. They just have good minds. They're able to remember things uh, well and and, and, and they have uh, logically, they're able to look at things logically and so forth and figure things out. And let's just be honest, sometimes there are students that struggle. They, they're not necessarily dumb. They're, they're not necessarily stupid, as we would say. No, they're not. They're just, some of them aren't as capable in the, in the classroom as others. They don't test as well sometimes. They, they get nervous or they have problems here and there. And then there are times there's just students that, let's face it, we're not all the same intellectual level. There is that time too where some of us aren't quite up to par with other people in the class. 
That happens. That's the way it is. I was obligated as a teacher to ensure that the standard of excellence was maintained. That's what I'm supposed to do. So there's a level that people have to live up to. And again, there were those that were intelligent and they passed the test and honestly it just came easy to them while others struggled. I wasn't really impressed with a grade as much as I was impressed with an effort. I've been disappointed in certain students that I have had that passed because they never, I was disappointed because they never pushed themselves to learn as much as they could. Oh, they passed the test, and they even got an A maybe, but they could have learned so much more. They could have been much more engaged in the process. But they didn't. Instead, they rested on their ability instead of their effort. There are people like that, as I mentioned, with instruments. Some people have an ability to play an instrument. It comes more natural to them. It doesn't seem like they have to work as hard at it. But see, God isn't so impressed with you just because you can do something. He's impressed when you work at something. The effort is what God's concerned about. Not just the performance. Why is it so important to give our best? Well, Paul gives us a, a thought in the book of Philippians. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. He's writing, of course, to the church at Philippi, and he makes a statement. He says, not because I desire a gift but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. If you're going to give, give your best. If you're going to work, work your best. If you're going to be a Christian, be the best you can be. And he says, I'm not asking you to do all of this for my sake. I'm asking you because I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And it doesn't benefit anybody any more than you when you give your best. And obviously, when you give your best and it benefits you, it will benefit others and those around you. Amen. Turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 10. Here, the writer of Hebrews makes a statement. And I'm just going to make, I'm just going to point out a real simple thought here, very, very simple. This could go much, much, much deeper. But Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have shewed, or showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do shew the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Man, he, listen, the, the work is one thing, but the effort is so important here. God doesn't want us, nor does the Apostle Paul or anybody else want us to be slothful. He wants us to be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're going to be pursuing something. 
the goal that we're going to be pursuing uh, um, uh, the, the, um, in Philippians. The Bible talks about that prize. But listen, he doesn't want us to be slothful. He doesn't want us to be lazy. And mediocrity is nothing less than just simply laziness. Settling for mediocrity is saying, I'm not going to put forth the effort it takes to get past it. And again, we're not talking necessarily about the performance. We're talking about the effort. A mediocre effort. Have you ever done a job, worked for someone, and you could have done better, but you didn't? You settled? Can you imagine if somebody, the folks that were, uh, the, the, the folks that were working on this pulpit settled? That they, they, oh, wow, we, oh, there's a nick here, there's this now. Oh, this is out of level. This isn't quite right. It's good enough. And we set a pencil or pen down that rolls off to the side, rolls right off. Put a drink of water on and it's crooked. It would be like, what are they doing? Oh, you know, some of these, uh, these things aren't perfectly spaced properly. Oh, that's all right. Nobody will hardly notice. I don't know about you, but that'd be concerning to me. I mean, that, you say, well, yeah, well, of course it would be. I mean, that's going to sit in front, stand in front of everybody for how many years? I mean, this is for the Lord they're doing this. Yeah, well, how much do we do for the Lord that we settle for mediocrity? And it stands before him all the time. Now, let's consider the bottom line. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. Why is it so important that we not settle for mediocrity? Because, first of all, God doesn't want us to be lazy, and he wants us to really put forth the effort to accomplish and to require everything that he wants for us. He wants fruit to abound to our account, for sure, because in the end, we notice something in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There's a judgment coming. Over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as he talks about that judgment, he talks about of what sort it is. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Man, we got to give it our best. I've been excited over the course of this last uh, um, Three weeks as we've gone through our campaign as I've watched people really put forth a good effort. I mean, they really put forth an effort. There's no mediocrity there. People were, I mean, I mean, Brother Gary, he's over here, drops a, a, you know, a big old freezer on his foot, or refrigerator, I don't know which, busts his toe, and he does it on a Tuesday He's not there Tuesday night because he's learning that he has a broken toe. But Thursday night, he's out walking the streets, knocking doors. I'm like, wow, impressive. 
mean, I've dropped some things on my feet. I know a little bit about some pain in my toes, and I just know right now that if you didn't feel compelled to do something, if you weren't strongly compelled, you wouldn't have done it. You'd have gladly been able to say, man, I broke my toe. I think I'll stay home tonight. Nobody would have said anything to Gary. Nobody would have been able to accuse him of being lazy or weak or soft. But man, I'm going to tell you what, he wasn't worried about what we thought. He's just like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be mediocre. I'm going to do it. If I can make it happen, it's going to happen. I'm giving it my best. And I appreciated that, Gary. That inspired me. That inspires me. And that's the kind of effort that I've seen from a number of people through this course of this last three weeks. It's been like, wow, man, they are really putting it on the line. And I like that. It's exciting and it's inspiring and it causes us, me at least, to want to do better. But there's a judgment day coming. There's a judgment coming. And all of that, whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. We got one shot at this. And then the Lord's going to judge us based on our effort. I could sit back there right now and play that piano. I guarantee I won't sound like Brother Josh. Or Morgan. I won't sound like any of them. I won't sound like Mrs. Weiser. Guarantee you that. You guys would be like, you could take a seat in the auditorium, preacher. <laughs> but let me tell you something. If I got upstairs in charge of trying to play something for that junior church up there, and I didn't sound like any one of those three, I think the Lord would be all right with it if I gave it my best. If there was no one else that was better to take my place, he'd be like, you just keep working at it. I'll make sure you get better. Oh, pretty soon you'll be playing for them and doing a real good job, but at least you're giving it your best. And when I get to heaven one day and you get to heaven one day, God's not going to just look and say, boy, you were the best at that. The truth is, how many people have gone before us that were probably better than us at anything we do? He's going to look at us and say, you gave it your best. You worked. You strove. You, you trusted me. You depended on me. You may not have been the best, but you put your faith and trust in me and you gave it every bit, every ounce of energy you had. That's all God wants out of us is our best. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. It doesn't say whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it the best. No, you do it your best. And that's what God expects of us. Again, I'm concerned that mediocrity is the goal for most today especially in our Christian lives. And again, it's not enough to play the game. We have to give it our best. Let's give the Christian life our best. Let's be the best we can be. And you know what? I guarantee you this. Not one of us would ever, nor will we ever regret being the best Christian we can possibly be. No one's going to. No one in this room will ever regret that. When we stand before the Lord, we'll be glad we gave it our best. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time we've had, Lord. And again, it's just a simple little thought. Or We've got to give it our best. 
help us to instill that mentality in our children. That they won't accept anything less than their best from themselves and give it their best to you. Father, I pray, dear God, that you just work in our lives. Thank you for the wonderful effort we have seen over the course of these last weeks and the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us as a result. But, Lord, whether we've seen any results or not, we should still give it our very best. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to serve you. Thank you for the opportunity to do our best on your behalf. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed as the music plays tonight. We'll give you an opportunity to come.